My name is Jordan Haas, and welcome to this niche podcast about the one thing I know something about, game shows. I suppose. I'm your host, Jordan Haas. Abby Denton will be joining us in just a bit to talk about Dilemma. But first, Holtzhauer Watch. Um, he's, he's not playing this week. It's, uh, it, it's the teacher's t- tournament. So, so he'll he'll be back on Monday. So Friday was the seven thousandth episode of Wheel of Fortune, but not only that, Pat Sajak ended up getting a Guinness World Record. Uh, apparently, after thirty-five years, one hundred ninety-eight days of seeing contestants uh, play for the Wheel of Fortune. Pat Sajak has now the title of the longest career as a game show host for the same show. So that's kind of fascinating, at least to me, since he started in 1983. So that's a real cool uh, idea. The show started in 1981 with Chuck Woolery, and, well, good job, Chuck. Good job. So congrats to Pat Sajak on his accomplishment. May he continue that streak until people get tired of the Wheel of Fortune. Also, upfronts have been going on. If you don't know what upfronts are, upfronts is basically like E3, but for television. Essentially, every network uh, tries to show off what's going on in the fall or the spring so that media ad buyers can sell ads to run. So this is when you get to hear, like, what's the new exciting show on ABC or CBS, in addition to seeing the slaughterhouse that is a lot of shows getting the axe, unless you're fresh off the boat, which case, I I guess Constance Wu can still celebrate? I don't know what was with that tweet. But anyway, uh, Fox has announced some of their upfronts. Seasons two and three of the Masquerade Party meets Super Singing Competition Masked Singer will return as a side-by-side, seasons two and seasons three, one after the other. According to Deadline, Fox's breakout hit The Masked Singer will be produced within the newly streamlined Fox Core. Entertainment chief Charlie Collier confirmed during Fox's Investor Day. Fox Alternative Entertainment will handle the show as Endemol Shine exits the North American pub production so no more endemol in this the budget for season two of the show collier said will come in below that of the debut season as a result so less money than it was in season one they didn't break out the numbers or fully unpack the claim but said the company's overall mission is to keep a lid on costs while taking advantage of its reach so i mean that's fine i guess good for them so, Masked Singer Spring Cycle Season 3 will launch immediately following Super Bowl 54. The Breakout Hits Fall Cycle, which will be Season 2, will air on Wednesdays at 8 o'clock, leading into Jason Kidnam's new unconventional family drama, Not Just Me, and as, as we've established that SmackDown WWE will be on Fridays. 
uh, Bumping Last Man Standing, which will air Thursdays at 8, mid-season, maybe. Who knows? So get ready for more Masked Singer, folks. It's on the way. Also, uh, Hell for Mid-Season is a new MasterChef, and probably, if they're going to go with it, Ultimate Tag. Now, I brought this up a few months ago when I was at my birthday and I saw the Ultimate Tag signs at Warner Brothers and apparently people didn't get the message that Ultimate Tag was a real show. Anyway, Ultimate Tag is existing and I, I finally got some details courtesy of ABC 13 in Houston. J.J. Watt is about to grow. You know J.J. Watt from the, the Houston Texans? Uh, he is going to basically, part of his show, basically it's called Ultimate Tag. And his brothers, TJ and Derek, are hosting it next year. So every one of the Watts is here. Uh, here we go. According to JJ on Instagram, very excited to finally be able to announce a project that I have exclu- executive produced and also hosted. Ultimate Tag takes a childhood game to extreme levels with insane obstacles and incredible athletes coming early 2020. Uh, announcement Monday came hand-in-hand with network television upfront presentations, which look ahead to schedules and new programming. Here is, according to Fox Network, what they are saying. Ultimate Tag is a high-octane physical competition show based on the classic playground game of chase the network described in its upfront presentation. I've seen some photos now of it. It kind of looks a bit like American Gladiator's pyramid set, but I think that's just uh, one of the obstacles in terms of the course. If you see Ultimate Tag uh, sports videos on YouTube... That's telling me this is going to be more of an athletic competition, not necessarily a game show. This is going to is this going to count as a game show? It actually depends. I think because there's going to probably be a cash prize at the end, possibly, but it's going to be so close. It's going to be kind of like saying is World Series of Poker a game show, or is darts a game show, or is celebrity bowling a game show? To which case. <laughs> Look, I don't even know at this point. I'm going to say yes. I, I'm not a, that much of a sports analyst. But, hey, if it's considered a sport, sure, I'll cover it. Um, Ultimate Tag is going to be in the mid-season. And I think they uh, they said early 2020. So get ready. So when one show basically either ends or gets canceled, this might fill in its place. Uh, the last time that happened was with The Masked Singer, and it ended up doing some great numbers. So... I can only expect that this show does similar, unless it ends up being a flop. Uh, there has been a long string of athletes doing athletic competition shows, as you know, with LeBron James with uh, Million Dollar Mile and The Wall, and lately, Steph Curry with Holy Moly. But this one doesn't seem like it's a comedy show, and it doesn't seem to be a life-changing game show. This actually seems like they're going for an actual athletic competition show. So I can't wait to see what the Wattses are up to these days. Wattses, Wattsai, how, how do you pluralize the Watts? Please let me know. Going into upfronts some more. The USA Network had some upfronts recently, and in their upfronts, they're going to reboot the reality competition show, The Biggest Loser. That, that's right. The same channel that's bringing us Temptation Island is bringing us Biggest Loser. From the official website on usanetwork.com, The Biggest Loser will feature a dynamic new team of experts determined to dramatically improve America's lifespans and waistlines. The revamped version of the iconic NBC hit competition series will feature men and women competing not only to lose weight, 
but also improve their overall well-being. Each episode will feature a team of experts, including a trainer, chef, and life coach, who will help guide the contestants as they embark on the biggest transformations of their lives. We are reimagining The Biggest Loser for today's audiences, providing a new holistic 360-degree look at wellness while retaining the franchise's competition format and legendary jaw-dropping moments, said Chris McCumber, president of Entertainment Networks at USA Network and Sci-Fi. It's a 10-episode season from Endemol's Shine North America, an association of Universal Television Alternative. Set to debut in USA in 2020. The experts are to be announced. Uh, well, I mean, yay, big biggest loser. Looking at the font, though, it seems like they're everyone's going for parallelograms these days because that's what it looks like. But hey, you know, if you're going to refresh the format, so be it. I, I mean, I kind of like the idea of a life coach and chefs to try and teach healthier options for people. Um, of course, it's, it's Biggest Loser. There's always some, some, some challenges in terms of can they keep the weight off uh, after the show is wrapped up, and the whole dangling of money still feels kind of weird. But, hey, you know, it, it, if, if the show works, go, go for it. I mean, when's the last time NBC had Biggest Loser? It was kind of like a sitting on the wayside and temptations and if you lose you eat donuts and it's like oh oh no, oh, okay so maybe in this rebooted version uh they're gonna have life coaches that aren't going to uh do any punishments or have temptations that are more in focus on do you really need this situations Biggest Loser is a very complex game show, and it's one that I definitely wouldn't want to have a qualified expert to go over or a comedian, because this that show is complex for me to try and explain. But hey, USA Network's bringing back Biggest Loser. I could see it being a success. I'm still confused by why USA Network, though, other than they're, they're short two hours because of SmackDown, so... They got two hours, Phil. Why not bring a reality competition show back that people seem to enjoy? So so let's look forward to seeing how Biggest Loser does on USA. Anyway, uh, children's television is returning with Universal Kids. That's right, Universal Kids. It's a channel, and it has a lot of great game shows. Universal Kids has two new shows in its unscripted menu. One is Top Chef Junior colon Remix. Three kids who have a knack for cooking or baking square off in two rounds of competition is Top Chef Junior spinoff. Special guests, including some fan favorites from Top Chef and Top Chef Junior, serve as mentors and judges and lend a helping hand to the competitors. Each episode features a unique theme like camping and sports with fun culinary challenges. Produced by Magical Elves, Top Chef and Top Chef Junior, with Casey Criley and Joe Sharon serving as executive producers. Hey, those are great people. Create the escape. Create... Oh, this is a great new idea for a show. Listen to this one. I actually am kind of like intrigued by this. Escape rooms have surged in popularity in the United States and have dominated pop culture in recent years. They offer players of all ages the opportunity to work together as a team, using their own skill set to solve a series of puzzles with a little fun and adventure along the way. In this series, created by Universal Kids, three kids design and build an escape room from scratch in each episode. A host, 
and design experts will assist the kids in transforming their ideas into reality. The only limit is their imaginations. In a fun twist, their family members, teachers, or guest celebrities will try to escape the room when it's finished. Create the Escape empowers kids to bring their ideas to life as creators and visionaries. And to me, that is a great show. Now, I don't know if it's like a competition where all three have to make their own escape rooms or they're all tasked to create one escape room. But hearing this as a, as a, as a concept, I am very excited by this because I like shows that promote creativity. And because this is children... I can see it being very, very creative and very out there and very over the top in a way that makes it funny to see what their parents might get into or their teachers or someone from one of their favorite cartoons showing up. So so that, to me, that sounds intriguing and I want to see how this show plays out because I think escape rooms are uh, are one of those game formats that definitely need to show up in game shows but they don't really they don't really show up as often like like the last time i saw an escape room game show was called race to escape and it was hosted by jimmy pardo and i believe that was on the science channel of all places and i love that show a lot but i think it just didn't get the viewers because it's on the science channel which is a very extended cable channel but then again this is universal kids some households do not carry this but I really want to see if this show can, can exist because I like the idea of every episode is a new escape room and seeing, you know, the, the I can only imagine being one escape room and the three kids uh, seeing behind like a closed circuit television, the screens next to the host as they see their like moms start scrambling for items inside the escape room and then some booby traps that are messy showing up, or something that's uh, that's that looks like pyramids, or something that looks like a castle showing up. So whoever is in charge of set dressing and set design in the art department for this show has to be very very good. I find. So I can't wait to see how this show goes. That is on my thumbs up. I'm looking forward to it. Kind of show. Now we got to bring in some weird news. So Steve Harvey, uh, as you know, hosts Family Feud. Family Feud won the Daytime Emmy for Best Game Show. And he got in some uh, lukewarm uh, takes by saying that uh, sleeping is not that important or, or something of the sort. So because of this, Steve Harvey's daytime talk show is going to end after a battle between IMG and NBC Universal. This is coming from Variety. Steve Harvey's syndicated daytime talk show, Steve, will end its run in June. The writing was on the wall for the show last September when NBC cut a deal with Kelly Clarkson for a variety talk show to launch in the fall. The Kelly Clarkson show will move into primetime slots occupied by NBC-owned and operations by Harvey's show for the past seven seasons. Steve taped his final episode on Thursday. Originals will air through June, and the show will remain on air in reruns through September. The demise of Steve raises the question whether Harvey's show was the casualty of animosity between MC Universal and Endeavor's IMG original content over IMG's takeover of the show two years, two seasons ago. And I know what you're saying. Okay, well, that's a talk show. This is a game show podcast. What else happened? Well, to, Mac, to make matters worse, he then lost a second show this week. 
Melissa McCarthy has been named host of NBC's unscripted series Little Big Shots, replacing Steve Harvey as MC for the talent competition for kids. Harvey hosted the previous three seasons of the show, which hails from Warner Horizon Television, and Ellen's A Very Good Production Banner. Little Big Shots last aired on July 2018. NBC executives said the show is in for a brand refresh as McCarthy takes over. Schedule return, NBC Sunday, 8 p.m., uh, before the end of the football season next winter. Uh, so this comes right off the, the heels of the Steve daytime talk show ending. He also loses a little big shots. There was no love lost between Harvey and the Peacock when the host opted in 2017 to cut a new deal for a new iteration of his daytime talk show, which shifted ownership from Endemol Shine to NBC and NBCU to IMG Original Content and Steve Harvey's production company. It's also understood that Harvey's deal with Little Big Shots called for him to receive a hefty raise for a fourth season. And, well, he's not doing the fourth season, so he's not getting that raise. Uh, Tele-D did not reference the tussle with Harvey in discussing the host change for reporters on Sunday as NBC revealed its programming plans ahead of Monday's upfront presentation at Rio City Music Hall. He emphasized that Melissa McCarthy would bring her own comedic stamp onto the show. Melissa is a creative strong force with her own ideas. So there, there you go. Steve Harvey is out twice with now Melissa McCarthy doing Little Big Shots, which I believe was such a cute, clever little show. It kind of reminds me of like a little, like a figure, it's part figured out because of the talents, but it's also part kids say the darnest things in the way that at least Steve interacted with the, with the kids. But now that it's uh, Melissa McCarthy, I want to see how she does. But also to make matters just a little more confusing, speaking of kids say the darnest things, Tiffany Haddish is now confirmed to host a revival of the Art Link Letter series, Kids Say the Darnest Things. We're not going to talk about the host after Art Link Letter. Oops. But according to Variety, ABC plans to launch the new Kids Say the Darnest Things this fall on Sundays at 8 p.m., sandwiched between two family-friendly reality staples, America's Funniest Home Videos and Shark Tank. When I was dreaming of stars I wanted to bring to ABC, Tiffany Haddish was top of my list at ABC Entertainment President Carrie Burke, who announced the pickup on Tuesday morning. Tiffany starring in and producing this iconic series is everything I hope for. Something with what happened in 1998-2000. Kids Say the Darnest Things originated from a segment that Art Linkletter used to do on his radio show House Party. Starting in 1945, he moved the idea to his TV series, Art Link Letters House Party. CBS Television Studios, which owns the rights to the format, is producing with Anvil 1893 Entertainment and Tiffany Haddish's She Ready Productions. It's a warm and funny family program that is sure to provide both tears and peals of laughter to viewers of all ages, said David Staff, president of CBS Television. CBS Television for an ABC show. It happens more than you think. Among the segments planned for the new Kids Say There Are Stings per ABC, Kids Rule, in which kids explain to Tiffany Haddish the rules for everything from sportsmanship to dating. Love Talk, where Tiffany seeks advice on her love life. Best carpool ever, with Tiffany Haddish taking on carpool duty with a minivan full of kids. Granny Tiff, when Tiffany, in prosthetics and dressed up as an older woman, receives technology advice from the kids, and more. I'm excited to hear what kids have to say these days because I can't understand what they are saying on social media, Haddish said in a statement. They're using too many abbreviations. 
Well, he's also opposite Tracy Morgan on TBS's comedy series, The Last OG, and is the voice of Tuca on that Netflix cartoon, Tuca and Birdie, which I also enjoy. Uh, she also has a one-hour stamp special debuting on Netflix later this year. So it's kind of weird that Kids Say Nars Things comes in the heels of NBC's announcement that it's relaunching its own underage showcase, Little Big Shots, with Melissa McCarthy. Haddish and Melissa McCarthy appear together in the upcoming drama, though, The Kitchen, which will be released in August. So, hey, everyone's friends here. Let's all get along. Now we got to get political for a second here. Sorry, folks. We got to get political. Folks, we have a game show host as president. We've explained this with Matt Chrisman that Donald Trump is our president. I, and sorry if you've, you've got the frosted and the first thing you heard is this podcast. But now there's another candidate for president that was also a game show host. Ben Glebe, stand-up comedian and host of Idiot Test, is making the bid for president of the United States. If you go to www.glebe2020.com, you will see his website and hear his uh, issues and where he's going to stop his campaign events. And these are actually campaign events, not stand-up comedy tours. I've double-checked. So this is actually real. He is trying to make a bid to run for president. So if you donate, I guess you get it. And his only qualification is he once he once smacked a, a Donald Trump heckler on stage. Not smacked like physically, but I mean like talk smacked too. Uh, so that's his only uh, uh, claim to fame, I guess, to to make this happen. Uh, he also hosted Idiot Test on Game Show Network. So hey, it's just as much of a resume i guess is the nice way to say a resume so glebe 2020 let's save america okay that that's a thing and finally we're going to international corner here so channel 10 uh in australia they have been pretty rough with their game shows when we started this game show podcast they had family feud then they ended it for pointless now Pointless is ending, and now they have Celebrity Name Game. Celebrity Name Game was that show that showed up for a hot minute here in the United States with Craig Ferguson, and it was with David Arquette and Courtney Cox. It was involving celebrities and civilians, basically playing some variation of Pyramid to win $20,000. And I thought it was a very charming game. So this airs at 5 p.m. in Australia. So what it drew in the first premiere episode was 314,000 viewers. On Channel 7, they have The Chase, which has 567,000. On Channel 9, 542,000. That's right. Uh, no 8, unless you love food. So it's 7, 9, 10. You get it. So despite the results, Network 10's head of Network Robin, Daniel Mahan, says that the show lifted its 6 p.m. viewing slot by 68%. It also saw a whopping 101% increase in under 50s. They are thrilled with the launch. Uh, Channel 10 also has Have You Been Paying Attention, which saw greater success for the network, drawing 787,000 Metro viewers and returning to its number one time slot. Celebrity Name Game is 10's latest attempt to secure a strong audience after it axed Family Feud, also hosted... By Grant Danier, it's now Celebrity Name Game, last year due to the show struggling to maintain audience share, lagging behind Channel 9's Hot Seat and Channel 7's The Chase. So, 
hey, Australia, get ready to figure out celebrities in the fun celebrity name game. I, I hope you enjoy. Life. It's the most precious thing we all have. Eventually, we all pass on. But before that moment comes, we always have that moment where we look back at our lives and wonder, what would have happened? The choices we make, the choices we didn't make, decisions that changed who we are and who we could have been. What would have happened if you asked that girl out in high school? What would have happened if you quit the job you had now to follow your passion project? Those regrets we all have about our past actions that haunt us to this day, could they have been reversed? Would it make you feel any better? Do they define who you are? Or is there another unknown variable lurking that we don't even know yet? This is the building blocks behind today's game. The Sophie's choices we do in our everyday lives, in the debates that can make or break our past, our present, and our future. You're about to join me into a world, not just of two doors, each with its own questions and answers, but choices that debate humanity. And if life is worth suffering, if it means a light at the end of the tunnel. Would you rather questions that take the friendly discussion among friends into a world of questionable conduct? As celebrities take the radio stage and Sue Perkins gives them a dilemma. And who better to take me on this adventure of bad decisions than comedian and writer Abby Denton? So let's turn the table. With me on the line is comedian, actress, your funny friend, Abby Denton. Hello, uh, I am Abby Denton. Uh, I, I don't really think about myself as an actress, but I, I guess I have been acting more recently. So, uh, yes, I'm an actor. Uh, like most actors, I'm not really sure how a calendar works. Um, I just sort of appear places and I, I assume people will be will be happy to see me there. Uh, I, I, I steal food from craft services. I'm a monster, uh, basically, now that I'm an actor. Well, then um, we, we all have our own hunger monsters every once in a while. I was referring to, of course, your, your sitcom podcast. The, 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 oh, Cyber Cafe. Why, that's, that's great. It got a, a great review today from the guy who made, uh, the extremely good side-scrolling video game uh, Tiny Barbarian, which I highly recommend on uh, the Nintendo Switch or PC. Everyone in the world has it on Steam because it was selling for like a dollar for like three years because he was like kickstarting it for that whole time. And then everyone forgot about it before he finished the game. Uh, but it turns out the, the finished game is amazing. So hey, and, Tiny uh, Barbarian guy, please give... Yeah, you know what? It's, it's even better than Cyber Cafe. So I, I just wanted to mention it's a great, great game. And, uh, it's like Ab all the best treasure masterpieces. <laughs> and Abby, you are you are a list of firsts. Uh, for first uh, to to cover a a panel game show, and first to cover a radio show because we are talking about today the radio panel game show dilemma. 
hosted by one Sue Perkins on the BBC. And it, it, this was actually Radio 4, more specifically, BBC Radio 4. And this is such a crazy concept, but you are an expert in, in comedy panel game shows, which is also good to have you on for this. Can you explain quickly, <laughs> what is a panel game show? Okay, well, uh, a panel game show, and uh, honestly, the radio game show in general, um, is something that's only really going to exist in the UK for whatever reason. I think it's mostly just uh, sort of the socialized uh, BBC structure, because uh, PBS and NPR aren't really uh, comparable uh, over here. Um, but uh, the the the... the I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm blanking. Uh, your audio kept cutting out. Is everything okay? It is fine dandy here. Uh, okay, sorry. Yeah, the uh, panel game shows, like, we only for it comes to radio panels here is wait, wait, don't tell me. Like, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, I don't, I don't know if it's just uh, budgetary sort of problems or something like that, but, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're uh, sort of like game shows uh, where no one's winning any money and it's it's just an excuse to get a bunch of uh, writers and luminaries and people who have columns in The Guardian together uh, oh. to pretend that they're popular. That's pretty much it. It's, it's, it's almost like a podcast in a way that it's an audio thing that exists and no one's really getting paid except an exposure. Yeah, yeah. What I in the episode we listened to just a few minutes ago, uh, one of the people in the audience, I thought it was one of the performers, was mentioning being unemployed at the moment. I was I was very excited. I thought, oh, uh, CP Grogan is unemployed. Yes, I have a lot of sympathy for him. <laughs> so the episode we saw today comes from the Audible listening archives because originally uh, we saw it on the BBC Radio Archive to listen to it on air. And unfortunately, they got rid of it right before we were recording the show, so I got to splurge some money, thanks to my friend Jeff Bezos, to uh, get some audible episodes of Dilemma. The one we saw today was Series 2, Episode 2. Sue Perkins welcomed Josie Long, who I love. I, I have a crush on Josie myself. Uh, Owen Jones from The Guardian. Claire Grorgan and Andrew Maxwell. And it's, it's just a... Uh, a crazy mix of things. I mean, Su Susan Coleman was one of the frequent panelists in the first series. I, I love Susan Coleman, And just from uh, Claire Grogan's accent for a second, I, I got very excited. But then I realized it wasn't even the right accent. Do you want like Irish? You want more Irish accents? Well, I, I, I sometimes some some phrases. I forget what she said. Uh, I thought for a second, oh, that's that's Scottish. She's not quite as as. Uh, she, she hasn't got quite as tiny of a voice as Susan Kalman. So I, I was disappointed. But then I realized, oh, that's Claire Grogan, uh, the original Kachansky. From, um, from Red Dwarf. Yeah, yeah. And, and the lady who um, appeared on the cover of a magazine in Father Ted wearing uh, boxing gloves that read Clit Power. Not to, not, we won't bring up the creator of that show, though, anymore. I, we have gone in some angry You comments. mean Arthur Matthews, the wonderful Arthur Matthews? Yes, Arthur Matthews. That's the real... The, the sole respect. creator, the sole creator of Father Ted. God bless him. Yes. And and you had a fun UK tour recently, too. Yes, 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 yes. I, I went to visit my grandma. My, my mom uh, and my dad will frequently give me phone calls and just say, like, oh, we're putting together our will because we're anticipating uh, dying. Uh, what do you want? Which is not something I'm ever prepared to answer. Um, and I'm not really uh, interested in thinking about my parents, one of them being in his 70s, uh, passing away. Uh, but my grandma, who's in her 90s, 
I can concede when my mom calls me to say, uh, you should make sure you see your grandma. Uh, this is a, a darker story than I, I meant it to be because my grandma was injured a few years ago and supposedly she was very sad because she, she sort of hasn't been able to walk so well. Uh, but um, when I went to visit her, she uh, apparently was significantly more cheery than my mom expected. So uh, <laughs> it, it was it was very nice to just sit here and just listen to my grandma being, if anything, uh, more spirited and cantankerous than ever. Uh, but in, in that time, I realized, I discovered that I have dual uh, U.S. and U.K. citizenship just because I was born between... 1983 and 2006 to a, a, a parent who was a UK citizen. So, um, thank you, Tony Blair. Uh, without, without even knowing, yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a UK citizen, which uh, explains why I frequently use the wrong words for things. Um, so we have authentic British comedian Abby Denman. Yes, I'm I'm excited to uh, talk about my homeland that I never considered my homeland for for decades because I always thought like my sister, right? Because we we always would spend uh, long periods of time with my mom's uh, family there, um, and my sister would like start very sort of obnoxiously saying like, "Oh, oh, would you like some sauce?" That's how the English pronounce it, some tomato sauce. But like she has the most gutter American accent possible, so it it just sounds I like she's you're, you're lost doing like her a New mind. Jersey accent. You got some sauce. You want some you sauce? Know, you know, I would have liked that better, um, but because uh, you know we're, we're we never grew up there properly, so it it uh, felt very fake. But now that I know I'm a citizen, uh, I'm going whole hog into Englishness, and actually, that's the one reason why I don't want to relocate uh, to England. Because now that I know I'm a UK citizen, if there's one thing I can't stand, it's the bloody foreigners. Yeah, coming no, over there, taking their jobs and their women. You don't want your Brexit means Brexit. I understand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I I thought it looked stupid as an outsider uh, the decision to leave the European Union, but uh, now that I know I'm a, a UK citizen, I I want the right color of my passport. I forgot what color that I is. They want their passports to be. But I, I think it's blue now. <laughs> like it's oh, awful blue. Like a this. good solid color. A good solid color. Um, I think it's black. No, it's black and blue if it's EU. That's the... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, actually, I, I just remembered my big panel game thing while I've been killing time here, which is... Uh, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. Um, and uh, what is it? Whose line is it anyway? Or both... Who Whose line is it? Is, is it anyway? I'm yeah. so sorry. Uh, please please cut this out so that I can... No, you're doing good. like I came in knowing what I was about to say. Uh, whose line is it anyway? Um, I think started as a UK show. Yes, with Clive um, And I... Yeah, yeah, and I, I would consider that, like, a, an archetypal panel game and one of the few that sort of succeeded in, in the U.S. as well. Um, it, it did. It did transpire over to the Drew Carey version, now Aisha Tyler, which is probably on the air right now as we speak on oh. CW. Uh, but uh, pay attention to us instead. And the, and the I'm sorry, I haven't a clue, is one of the longest-running panel game shows over Yeah, in- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I... I, I Bring up I'm sorry I haven't a clue uh, because I love uh, Tim Brooke Taylor for one and also because um, it's sort of an example of uh, when I say panel shows are not sort of fair game shows in the sense that no one's playing for money and so they don't really need to care about rules. Uh, I'm sorry I haven't a clue plays a game called uh, Mornington Crescent uh, where they just yell out the names of different uh, subway stations in London as if they're playing some sort of game with intricate rules but it's it's just yes. 
it's the non-game show game show yes and it's uh, i don't know that that conceptually i enjoy a lot that, and, uh, that's one of the shows that's like that could easily work in america because of our satire and commentary kind of world of let's lash back at pop culture this would have been the prime kind of radio like show to exist but npr doesn't want to ruffle any feathers by doing a parody of shark tank and getting people to do fake pitches so, so you, you can't do that, and it's you, awful. you know you can say a lot of things about NPR, but uh, that they're cowards is uh, the most inarguable. They are cowards, and and none of uh, them will fight me. And will you also send me send me the tweet at Jordha? Uh, <laughs> oh, hey, you're cutting NPR, out. What? You're cowards. You you can give me a Jonathan Colton quiz show, but you <laughs> can give me a funny funny comedy game show unless it's. With some like seventy-year-old man saying, "Oh, behave! I'm Austin Powers, baby." I, I would actually watch that too. That is that is what that's pretty much what constitutes comedy. On wait, wait, don't tell me. I had a I have a friend, Michael Chow, uh, who isn't like a comedy person, so using a civilian's name here is probably not fair. Uh, but he's responsible for one of the funniest things I've ever witnessed, which was that he had his birthday party. Uh, at what turned out to be an Austin Powers themed 60s bar in uh, Highland Park called the Electric Pussycat. Yes. And it, it's down to, down to having a floor show every every like two hours or something with like an Austin Powers impersonator and like burlesque actors. Uh, and he refused to accept that it was a theme bar. Like he just didn't acknowledge it the whole night. <laughs> just a big fan like, hey, of, of the Thanks for coming out tonight. How's it going? Yeah, this is that. That was just his natural habitat, and I don't know if that was like a bit or not, but I enjoyed it deeply. <laughs> it was one of the funniest things I've ever witnessed. He was just sitting at the bar like it was a dive, surrounded by like steaming cocktails, and oh, it was great. That's <laughs> he's he's one of my favorite people, and I guess it's a cultural thing. The the, the panel game. And Britishness, it makes sense. NPR, get on. I ha- sorry, I haven't a clue because because that might work. Otherwise, it's going to be picked up by like Earwolf, and it's going to be like Matt Besser doing it, and I don't want that. We can do better. I, you know, I at this point, I think part of the appeal of I'm sorry, I haven't a clue is that these are like great grandpa age guys. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they'll add a new guy, but you know, they clearly have no idea what they're they're talking about when they're talking about like Lady Gaga and all that. <laughs> And uh, that, okay, that just, that joke is stolen from uh, the the Miranda Hart sitcom. Just pronouncing the, it that way. It's my favorite pronunciation. I keep calling things my favorite. Well, yeah, you love a lot of things, though. That's, I have. I I'm a positive person. It's, it's part of your character. It's part of your charm. You love a lot of things. This is a happy podcast full of things that we like. We've never said anything negative about any show on this podcast ever, except Struggle Session. Uh, yes, that game show Struggle Session where. Uh, <laughs> Where Leslie Lee the Third in, in quizzes. Con- you know, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm glad they voted that one guy off. <laughs> I, somehow, uh, I'm the new phone a friend. <laughs> so hey, <laughs> hey Leslie, I know you're listening to this. You, you, drop me a line. <laughs> we love Leslie and Jack. They do great Le- stuff over there. Uh, Leslie is but- a hero. <laughs> but the I'm ja- Jack uh, living off um, all the proceeds from his wife inventing yellow. I hear. Yes, uh, if you if you there's a yellow license. If you go to the Bazizio store, if you can marry rich, that's that's what you should do. Yeah, go to the Bazizio store. Pay five bucks and get your yellow license. You'd be glad you did. You know, it's weird because like I I went to to art school and we were we were always using bootleg yellow. Yeah, and me, I come from game shows, so 
So when it's I had just Kate, not as shiny. It's not as bright. It's not. And when I asked Kate uh, how she invented yellow, because I grew up with game shows. We she covered Tattletales with me. They don't have yellow. They have banana. So it makes perfect sense. Very strange. She also came up with a new orange. Really, really. Yeah, cool. I I've in the lightning round. I said come up with a new name for orange, and she said cutie. Aww. And I think we should start using that more often. I've never known anyone who likes warm colors except for Kate. Like, I I don't know anyone who voluntarily wears warm colors. Like, every single one of my friends, like, if they can walk down the street and no one sees them, like, that's ideal. Uh, and, and then there's Kate standing apart. I'm, I mean, I'm blue. I like wearing lots of blues, but that's... I'm a blue. I'm a blue person. But I like a blueberry. Nightwing. Oh, that kind of stuff. Uh, well, you know, I, I like blue, but like importing it from Norway is so expensive. Yeah, we don't even know. I, how I don't even know what I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, uh, panel games, uh, I, I enjoy them just because uh, they, they have the, the illusion of structure while um, clearly not really caring. Like the, the, they had a buzzer round in uh, Dilemma. Yes. Which uh, in, in this episode, uh, jo- Josie Long used uh, to censor herself. Exactly. It's it's a which it was clever. It was a use of the elements introduced by panel, the show. Panel game shows are different because it basically is just a game show that's not played for money. It's played for comedies, played for laughs. Typically, it's used as an environment, typically to inform the public. Most of the time, it's news shows because hey, what happened in Parliament this week? Other times, it's like a QI, like common misconceptions, becomes the game show. Others become word origins or sports news. Dilemma is none of that. Dilemma is simply just crazy dilemmas and comedy value. And it's a radio show. And I gotta just bring this up. Radio means there's no visuals. That means we do not know what the set is. For all we know, it could just be a few tables and microphones sitting in a desk somewhere. And all the people in the audience are just from BBC themselves, like just hurling around the office, just laughing. Or in a theater somewhere, like a nice black box theater. Yeah. Yeah, BBC Radio is the the weirdest thing, because like now they have, like there's a BBC podcast network, uh, but then sometimes they'll like syndicate podcasts to broadcast on BBC Radio. So it's like all the all the barriers that sort of I think of with internet media have sort of broken down and i don't know if that's good or bad but it's definitely interesting imagine a you know how like doughboys does a live show and then you hear the audience go "Woo, yeah i love john gabris whoa yeah <laughs> and, you, and you just start like and you're hearing them laugh at every joke that 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 like mitch says or weiger and you're just like confused that is a panel game show in a radio show as well you don't see what the set looks like but it adds to a layer of mystery, which works in this kind of format. Because now you can try and, and, and try and visualize in your head, what would the dilemma set look like? And my guess is it would have a nice heaven and hell motif. Oh, that'd be good. That'd be good. I like, I, I like the idea of a, of a, of a radio show that, that wastes all of their money on the set. <laughs> it's like got a giant sign and like a, like a gold fountain in the corner. An LED Alan projection screen. Yes. <laughs> confetti like, like a big laser show every time a, a guest walks out you got one point all of a sudden that that cgi one just starts holographically showing up yeah there, there's a lot of there's a lot of radio shows that will like joke about having like uh like the the beautiful lady pres- 
uh, who then never appears and they, they just play a, a sexy trombone. And I, I would like a show that hired just like 10 guys, just like naked strippers to just hang around and like bring people drinks. No one will ever see them. No one will ever know they're there. I like it's this. Just, <laughs> the guests come on and the host is like, they're yours for the hour. So we got to I, I was I was going to say in, in my uh, picture of the set, uh, this is Sue Perkins here. Yes. One of the most uh, attractive people of all time. So I, I assume the set, everything sort of draped in red velvet and sort Ooh. of soft lighting. And uh, maybe there's like a lava lamp yes, and uh, like it's that. just her. And she's sort of like standing up and she's got like a like a fitted blazer on. And she looks like sort of disappointed in me, uh, but also pleased to see me. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then and then we talk about baked goods. <laughs> so Sue Perkins. Uh, people might not know Sue Perkins is one of everyone's favorite British hosts. She hosted the the Great British Bake Off with her comedy duo partner uh, Mel Gor Gorblock Gorbla Gorbla Gedroik Gedroik Gedroik. That's how you pronounce it. And uh, none of that is recognizable as a name to me. None of your attempts of Mel and Sue. Yeah, oh, ab- absolutely, yeah. Even her real name <laughs> is not Mel recognizable as a name. <laughs> <laughs> the other one. And Mel Giedroik. Uh And she, basically, the idea is supposed to be that she plays, like, the librarian, smarty pants person, and, and Mel's kind of the common lady, who's kind of just, like, the every woman kind of person. And in this show, she's just there. There's no, there's no Mel. Mel is not here. It's just Sue Perkins doing a panel show. She has had previous experiences with panel shows before. One of my favorites was the 99P Challenge, which is sort of like, I'm sorry, having a clue. But, oh, that's uh, fun. But played up. Yeah, the, the, the panel show is like a, a central part of, of like the UK comedy infrastructure. Like you 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 go to Edinburgh and, and you try to have a have an hour long set and then managers and agents start noticing you. And then you start you start doing low sets on the low panel shows. And then eventually people who watch the BBC will say, uh, oh, I don't like that one. She's not David Mitchell. And that's sort of the, the <laughs> comedy <laughs> ecology. You got Jimmy Carr laugh. <laughs> I, I don't like people who aren't David Mitchell either. It's in it's in Mr. my uh, my medical Ryden. report. Does uh, not like non-David Mitchell performers. Yes. Uh, and something worth noting, Sue is successful and she's openly gay. And her partner is Anna Richardson. If you don't know who Anna Richardson is, she is the host of a game show called Naked Attraction. And it was a show where basically to find a date, the suitors had to be naked in a box and they had to figure it out. And Anna Richardson's like, which one's your favorite? I liked it. Yeah, the the laws of what you can broadcast and when in the UK are, are a lot more uh, <laughs> filthy over there, I'd say. Yes. I, and it's it's just a strange country. And for prestigeness, uh, Mel and Sue went on to host the Generation Game, one of the longest reigning beloved game shows over in the BBC. I didn't even know that because uh, the Generation Game is not something that humans, literate humans, watch. I, I'm a literate human. Okay, look, look, okay. I understand that in your care home, sometimes they'll put your wheelchair in front of the TV and, and like the remote is on the other side of the room and you just sort of have to make do and watch the Generation Game. But if the remote was a little closer to you, you would be watching. Uh, Mock the week. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You know what? People love love watching comics run into the center of the room and then run back again. Like that's 
it it makes you feel like you're you're getting exercise and that comedy has brought you something positive <laughs> instead of what it did, which is just remind you that the world exists. So, so what you're telling okay, me? Okay, look, like look. English to- comedy is English comedy is a nightmare. Okay, every single English joke uh, is is incomprehensible to someone who doesn't have. Uh, like an encyclopedic knowledge of English pop culture, uh, because every single British joke uh, ends. The punchline is just the name of someone who was on the BBC 30 years ago. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do an English comedy joke uh, right. for you right now. Okay, yeah. who was that lady I saw you out with last night? That was no lady. That was 1994 Minister for Education Gillian Shepherd. <laughs> also, don't forget callbacks. You have to do callback jokes too. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so, so then it's like uh, the next question would be something like, uh, who, "Who is who is championing against Theresa May for Parliament position in the Conservative Party?" Oh, that famous lady. You mean nineteen ninety four? Excuse me, Gillian Shepherd, I believe, was a man. Yes, but it, I'm not surprised you don't to, know that because he wasn't a very good minister for education. And then I have to dance to uh, to bring me sh- sunshine. By uh, <laughs> more Camden wise, you know, just keep going. Bring me laughter in your yeah. smile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, look, they were still broadcasting blackface in like 1982 in that country. Okay, it is it, not. A it's pleasant. a strange land. I don't understand how anything happens. It's it's like they're so like they're aware of class in a way that that we aren't in in America for whatever reason. <laughs> I don't know why that is. Like they're, they're able famous. to talk about it. They also love stereotypes more. Everything is well because you're Welsh, because you're Scottish, because you're Irish. Uh oh, don't go there. Your windows are going to get smashed in. Yeah, you know it might it might partly be because um like you can tell so much more about a person's background from their accent, and like people will sort of enforce their own accent just to like show a connection to where they came from or something. Like even if if they sort of grew out of it or whatever. Uh, whereas out here, the only real accent you have that has like a class, um, like in- indication, is I guess like a like a deep South sort of yeah. drawl, and even that you sort of have like the the rich. Thank you, know. Jeff Foxworthy and Larry the Cable Guy. It's it's I guess a lot easier to sort of recognize class. I don't know. Yeah, and most of it is trying to go from middle to lower income people. Uh, I I know usually we'd be going through the entire format of dilemma. But trust me on this one, it, it it just rotates around. Like, every round is somewhat different. The only thing that you need to know is the first round and the final round never change. The first round is called uh, Individual Hypotheticals, where every guest gets something that's specifically tailored towards them. And it, it's always a fun dilemma. So, uh, n- normally in this part of the show, I would write something for, for, for Abby, <laughs> but... I can't really come up with a good hypothetical at the moment. Like, like for instance, you have a world. Okay, so Abby, you okay. can you can be uh, the leader of a country ruled entirely by robots as the only human. Okay. Or you can have the first president of the United States be a robot. The first one. The first president. You can. So have, you will be the VP. So that- You'll be the VP. But the robot will be the president. Oh, the first robot president. I thought you meant George Washington. Like, we'd go back in time no. and somehow we'd recreate a society such that robots, like, no, if anything, they'll just snatch the one from, where they could be. from Disney World. They'll just go to Disney World, go to the Hall of Presidents, snatch it, and just put it in the Oval Office. 
What a what a strange country that would be if the first president was just a, a, a mechanoid who stood up and said, hello, I am George Washington. There is no electricity in this decade. Great old error. Goodbye. I love being here just as much as I love. We will be back in 15 minutes for the all-star lineup. Yeah. You know, I, I will say, um, it's funny that, that this is the one that you didn't write in advance because panel games are the one. Uh, it is. Well, well, yeah, yeah. Like pretty much every, not every joke, but, uh, they, they, they spend a lot more time preparing than, uh, they might let on. Yes. Um, uh... So do do be aware of that while we discuss Cause, this. Cause the one so I, that, that's reason number one why this is an inferior question. The, uh, well, the one I ran was for myself, which wouldn't make sense because <laughs> you don't write questions for yourself. I I could ask you that question and pretend that I wrote it. Well, the question. Okay. Uh, the, well, the, the the I have to copy and paste this. Uh, uh, Frog Croakley on on Twitter, uh, who's a fantasy novelist of some 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 repute uh, by the standards of people on Twitter, uh, used to have a, a game uh, hashtag Dark Bargain, and he would offer a sort what of this is kinda is. not 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 so much moral quandaries, I guess, just uh, what you would rather have happen. Uh, which you know that that's one thing. Now that I've said that, uh, that uh, the show dilemma sort of falls into sometimes. Would you rather? Yeah, this was the. That was the one I wrote for myself because it was kind of like, oh, that's kind of your two big dreams. And then and it's like, but it's not as because the dilemma questions are more like mean. They're more like would, uh, for instance, the one the, the, the one tonight was, uh, would you rather uh, save Piers Morgan's life or never sleep again or something? Yeah, it wasn't a speed round. <laughs> yeah. No, the one we had was, uh, oh, it was you're at a dinner party with a Muslim friend's. And you accidentally cooked meat that was not halal. Do you? But you don't them? realize it until after you've served it. Yes. Do and it's it's actually funny that they were they were talking about this in these terms because, as I understand it, and uh, the research I've done, I you know I, obviously there's different sects for these kind of things. Um, and the research I've done in it was more about um, uh, drinking, uh, where if you like spike someone's drink, like that that's a horrible thing to do. But I mean, God knows that the sin of that is on your <laughs> neck and not. The person who you've uh, willingly victimized. Uh, so I, I assume it would be a similar thing in this. Yeah. Um, but at least they they mentioned that food restrictions e- exist. Yeah, which they're, is, they're which is into. woke. More, which is at least it's not as woke as actually doing research, but it is more woke than doing nothing. It is, and each one and each person gets one hypothetical, and rather than like points, which would be a typical panel show. Uh, Sue would judge who had, at the end of their reasoning and in the end of their dilemma, have the quote-unquote moral high ground, which is the big focus on the show, is everyone's playing for the moral high ground. Uh, in round two and three, they have different games that are a variety. Uh, one famous one, it will have to be played, is called Audience Dilemmas, where a dilemma is occurred from someone in the audience, such as, uh, I'm in a studio with two women... And I only have love, and I love both. Love them both. Which one do I go with? Or in, I in have, the I, studio? Oh, oh, the audience member. The huh. Audience member. Or that, the, that's that's an insane question to ask in front of both women. It is. And I'm a huge fan of was, this. Uh, I was someone who's working, and it's, I hate my boss. Should I quit or not? 
And and because this is actually one that was kind of pre-written because of the audience, but not given in advance to the uh, the panelists, this is really improvised and very funny. Yeah, crowd work is a, is is uh, a a good standby. It's it's a it's a noble concept that you need for any good host. Yeah. Uh, one that was not in here was one I loved called the Choose Your Adventure Dilemma, where they basically had like a storytelling where it was just like you're a, you work for a politician, oh, yeah, yeah. do you go through, and then they continued going into with each one getting two dilemmas each, trying to tell a story. Hmm. And that was fun. Round four is the final round, and it's called Speed Dilemmas. What I'm just calling it Speed Dilemmas. Basically, it's on the buzzer, and it's just very quick on-the-cuff things, like a life with only Coke, a life with only Pepsi. Uh, your favorite uh, fish and chips place thing closes, or you lose 20 pounds. <laughs> Something like that. Speaking and- of fish and chips, uh, can I just uh, humble brag? Uh, the, the Yorkshire Fish and Chips place uh, closest to my grandma's uh, home uh, was founded by the UK pro wrestler Big Daddy. What? <laughs> Big Daddy made a fish and or, chips. Or it was founded by his family or something. All I know is there's like a shrine. I know maybe the founder's just a big fan of Big Daddy. Not Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Uh, this was... As, as I understand it, his name is just Big Daddy. Yeah, Big Daddy is Shirley Crabtree. What, what name? a name. My goodness. What an English name. Yes, uh, Shirley Crabtree knows uh, Big Daddy. Was born in 1930, died in 1997 in West Yorkshire. Only uh, two years after the end of the reign of uh, 1984 uh, Minister for Education uh, Gillian Shepherd. Yeah, uh, he's also in. If you get the UK, uh, the European version of Legends of Wrestling two, he's in that game. Dude was great. It really is. Just can you imagine the most British man being? And I'm not talking like monocle top hat. I'm talking like British man. Oh yeah, man, Yorkshire, my friends. That's uh, that's where the cool people come from. I, I just, uh, just, I just, I, me, I'll just get one of those pies. I heard the pies are good. Pork, I've been trying to describe pork pies to my partner for, for months and I'm unable to, for whatever reason. Savory. It's like solid, solid, solid sausage sort of meat wrapped in a crust. It's not like a pot pie. There's like not gravy. It's just the solid, it's just like a chunk of calories to keep you going. When Here, you- here's the way to look. Here's the way I, I closely try to explain it. You know how Pillsbury is trying to pitch those croissant rolls wrapped around hot dogs? What if that, but with sausages and not hot dogs? And not sausages like breakfast links. I mean, like, you know, actual, like, bratwurst or, or similar. Like, actually sausage. What, what are those? Oh, sausage roll. Fair. Yeah. Fair. 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 We're gonna next. I week. I had I had the saddest. Uh, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing next week? <laughs> we're we're having a discussion about pastry. So what was the saddest time? I'm I'm, I'm ver- the 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 saddest moment. Um, I lived in a dormitory for one year in my undergrad. Uh, and uh, one one day the RA announced, "Oh, I'm I'm making pigs and blankets for everyone, so everyone should come to this party." Uh, but he clearly. Uh, I don't know if he overestimated his food or he underestimated how many people he was sending this invitation to, or maybe a lot of people just invited friends. Um, but there were seven like proper pigs in blankets. And then there was sort of a long lull while he ran to the grocery store as quickly as he could. Uh, and then just a massive tray of hot dogs wrapped in uh, half, 
half slices of, of white bread. That's not okay. That were like cold. <laughs> it wasn't even wasn't even like the length of a bun because it was just like a tiny. Like I think he was trying to like cut them small and then like coil them around, but they weren't even wide enough uh, slices of bread to like wrap around it all the way. It just sort of sat. It was amazing. That's when you just get the box of pancakes and sausage on a stick and call it a day. Yeah, yeah, like like you know the the genre of uh, it, it, like photos of like struggle meals. Yes, it's like oh, it's a it's a slice of bread with mustard on it or whatever. Um, it, actually, okay, that sounds too fancy to count as a struggle meal. Um, oh, because the mustard <laughs> with a grain of salt on it. Yeah, a grain of salt dabbed with uh, grease you've scraped out from your toaster. Um, well, it, it, was like, it was I like it was like it was like a party platter. Oh my gosh, it was like a party platter of struggle food, <laughs> which uh, brings to mind the image of of a wonderful sort of party. Now um, you're just explaining like fairy toast, like where just you put the sprinkles and butter on a toast and that's it. Oh, very! It's a big hit in Australia, I heard. Yeah, well, but then they again, also, people uh, are obsessed with Sizzler card. bread. So amazing! I once heard a, a an Australian man call. A credit card plastic money which is like a common euphemism like everyone calls it that but for a moment in my head i was like oh he's australian they don't know what this is <laughs> let me just use my plastic money i just got this from a board game let's <laughs> hope you like these cardboard chips that have the dollar sign on it i'm sure this is legal tender yeah you know what now that i know that i'm english i i don't even feel bad saying these bloody Australians are a real pain in me knickers. That's how the English yes. talk. Authentic British. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm just glad to bring a flavor of the homeland to you. Yes. <laughs> uh, to you to you bloody Yanks. That's me. I a, I just want to get the uh the uh, Yorkshire puddings and uh shepherd's pie and uh, I'll, I'll shine your chimney for you. Shine the chimney. For a tuppence. Oh, okay. A thruppence. Well, hope you fit in there. I don't know. <laughs> but dile- Dilemma is... A f- By the way, we, this is, we really can just keep doing this because Dilemma is just a story of dilemmas. And it's a fun panels show. And why, jo- why, Jordan, I have a dilemma for you right now. Oh. Uh, would you rather host your own game show but be single for the rest of your life or be Nightwing in a movie, but never do anything else in entertainment. But that, that means I don't have a podcast then, right? Like, because that's just technically entertainment, right? So I'm gone. Like, uh, I don't know. The, there's only one and done. Jordan, I, I think you're overestimating the quality of this uh, recording we're making. I don't know. Oh, that was mean. That was, I'm, I'm criticizing myself more than you, I promise. Sure. Sure. You know what? Ab- yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah. I think the I, I, I think inviting your nemesis onto your podcast was a mistake, bro. I don't a think mistake I'll make nemesis. Sure I, have, I do have nemesises here. Uh, Ooh, tell me about your nemesis. Well, I mean, there's a few in the game show community that hate me. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure Matt J has me muted on Twitter, so I Aww. can't ask. So I can't ask him to show up on this show. By the way, listen to the Deep End with Matt J and Steve Yurko. It's actually a very good podcast. The Deep Dives into Adult Swim Pod. Legacy, and I love it. Uh, there, there's there's uh, a few people out there in the world that, that do not like me just for being myself. I would I, say you're I, a nemesis. I think being yourself was was a mistake. Yeah, I guess. Um, I, I mean, I... 
I, I, hang on, hang on. I feel as though I've actually discouraged you. Uh, I was trying to yes and from when you said you didn't believe that I wasn't trying to insult you. Oh, you gosh. Weren't. No, you weren't. You were doing good. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Oh, good. So yes, I was, uh, I was anyway, contra-negging you. Anyways, I wrote that just as like a quick sketch one just after like a couple of days ago. And I, I would say if, maybe for this one, it'd probably be... Uh, probably be host a game show because then i could still do this game show podcast which would suck because <laughs> now I'm just... <laughs> okay so here's my question yes uh would you rather um donald trump's presidency ended today but um he now hosted a nightly uh he he took over as the next host of jeopardy and it was compulsory that everyone watched it every night oh no or uh would you rather um Donald Trump's presidency ends and then he gets a very lucrative, comfortable career hosting Jeopardy. Then um, after after a full eight year term uh, with like an agreeable um, Congress, but you never have to watch the show. No, that's not really a good dilemma. No, I don't the know. The dilemma would be if we're going to for Donald Trump Jeopardy wise would be the Donald Trump leaves the presidency, but ends up hosting Jeopardy for the rest of his life. And it's compulsory versus Donald Trump regains four years, but you host Jeopardy or Donald Trump is the president for another four years and Mike Pence for the next eight. And you. Oh, gosh. Something like, yeah, you, you know, to- I, I guess I guess the other question is like beyond damage done from Congress. Like if it's now compulsory to watch the show, like that would have a sizable impact on politics as well. So it's not that bad of a dilemma. But then it's also yeah. a factual game show. And who knows? The guy can't pronounce words. Hmm. I can barely pronounce words. Yeah, you you know what you can pronounce though? Mussolini Cheeto. Huh? Hey, huh? hey, hey, baby huh? hand Cheeto Trump. I I was at a mic the other the other week where someone just completely unironically did that as like their punchline, and it made me want to like break something. Uh, uh, three three years of this. We've had three years of this. I realize this is in the grand scheme of things a stupid thing to be upset by. But come on, I have. Hey, Donald Trump, you're fired. How about that? Hey, <sighs> hey, Donald, you're fired. Hey, Donald. Anyway, anyone else agree Hillary shouldn't be in prison? Who here's a fan of Infowars? Oh no. <laughs> we've we've now hijacked this game show podcast. It's now the political game. Oh oh, I have an, I have another dilemma. Okay, right. uh, you either. Um, Alex Jones takes over as the host of Jeopardy and it's compulsory to watch or you have Alex Jones's red squashed man body. Uh, I would say he hosts... 60-year-old roided-out man body. I'd say he hosts Jeopardy because I bet he would not be like that character. I bet he would actually try his hardest to be like someone else doing the Jeopardy. Okay, what what if... Okay, new rule. He uh, not only hosts it in the InfoWars character, but like he also writes all the questions as the InfoWars character. That show now that I've canceled. said that, I desperately <laughs> want to see that show. Did that show get canceled? How much fluoride do you have to eat before you... <laughs> Here's the clue crew. <laughs> he, he didn't he didn't put the clue in the form of a question. Here's the clue crew. Oh my gosh, it's just Milo what? and Prison Paul. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'll have crossword clues F for 1200. Here is the clue crew. Here's Prison Paul. <laughs> what F denotes uh the act of making sure that women are superior than men? Beep beep. Jordan, what is fe- uh. feminism? No, what is fascism? It's fascism. I 
regret making this so political, but it is uh, in line with uh, a UK dilemma. Uh, yeah dilemma. Dilemma you know, is you know fun... we're, we're actually geniuses. Dilemma so is a very fun, add. fun show. Uh, you uh, normally you would try and, and explain a lot of things, but honestly, it just is a nice co- conversation. It's almost like listening to a, your favorite podcast. And it's, yeah, it's, you're not really going to worry about the intricacies of oh yeah, you want to go good on the on the first round because then the second round is always a. The uh, theme song of the show, which also is the closing theme, is "What Do I Know? What Do I Do Now?" by Sleeper. Sorry, "What Do I Do Now?" by Sleeper. Uh, which is a nice little hit, but then again, that's also a UK thing to put like a licensed song into. Yeah. Because uh, they have the rights. You can do that in the BBC. Can't do it here. Uh, and, and finally, the uh, the other dilemma, because we have a fun dilemmas here, is we can't do a look. We can talk about Sue Perkins a lot more. Definitely can talk about more Sue. But before we get to, before we get to more Sue, before we get to Sue... Because uh, it just showed it end, but you can still get some archives. Uh, the the thing is, should the show be revived? It can be revived yeah. in the UK, or it could be modified into an American format. What do I'm you- I'm going to be honest. Uh, my whole enjoyment of the show was uh, the fact that Sue Perkins was there. Because like these panel shows are all just the same shticks. So what you so you're what you're telling me is you would not want to see it revived. You would just want like a still image of Sue Perkins for forty five minutes. Just staring at you. Uh, you know, it, it's easy enough to simulate one of those thanks to uh, uh, the AI network deepfakes. How would so, you like yeah. to just have a new show where it's just Sue Perkins compliments you and that's the show? Make Sue Perkins I, the new yeah. Ellen. Okay, uh, we get an AI-generated uh, clone of Sue Perkins who's like just on a TV screen uh, arguing with the actual Sue Perkins. <laughs> No more and, cakes, and, and they're both very irritated with each other. That's, I mean, that we're, I mean, I love, we love Sue Perkins, who is a go-to host. Uh, she's no longer of the of the Bake Off, though, unfortunately. Friend, friend of the show, Sue Perkins. Yeah, friend of the show. Hey, Sue, come on to the pod. <laughs> Watch the pod, babe. Show up uh, on game shows, I suppose. Let's yeah. talk about your career legacy in game shows. Yeah, it's it's. It's hard to talk about panel shows because there there are so many of them and like uh, oh and by the way because uh, we're on US network uh, internet you can access like a whole lot of currently syndicating shows on uh, BBC Radio Four on the BBC Sounds website I don't know if that's uh, by design or if they just don't know how to lock us out or something like that um, or it might be because my ad blocker just somehow elides it by without my trying to do this uh, but in the UK. Uh, It'll say, you know, you have to type in your BBC license number because you, you have to pay your license tax. Yes. Um, but you, you can access a whole lot of uh, panel shows and things like that. Uh, most of the panel shows being made today are um, a gang of like 20 something comedians who are all sort of not really talking about sex so much as like squealing about like sexualities um, or um, uh, middle aged blokes who just can't stop talking about how they're middle aged blokes. And that's. Like, you finally, a there's a voice from middle age And blokes. then you're like, um, oh, I want to have a, a piece of that. And then you're like, oh, the only piece I can have is legs and thighs and it's not the woman, it's a chicken. Huh. Now, Jordan, uh, speaking as an English person, I find that accent highly demeaning. Ooh, this is how we talk, mighty. <laughs> Hello. How's it going? I love it. It's great. It's fantastic. Give me some wine gums from Roundtree. 
Hey, I love round gums. Yeah, they're great. They're great. They're my favorite candy. Oh, sorry. Sweet. <laughs> they're no, my thank favorite you. Thank sweet. you. <laughs> I didn't know what you were talking about for a second there. I've gotten pretty, gums, the, pretty uh, dumb. The, the fruit gums. I, uh... The fruit gums. They're a little circle and they are tough as hell when you try and bite into them. They're like sweeter Sour Patch Kids. But not sour unless you get the sour. Is there a sour? Well, yeah, they're, they're less sour. I don't know. I like them. They're delicious. Yum, 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 yum. Please Put send me some. Tum-tum. Yes, that was a better rhyme because it ended with you getting wine gums. I'm, I'm doing some me. sponsored content. <laughs> oh, oh, wait a second. Hang on. I might have the... Hang on. Well, as you go run, I'm going to quick list off a bunch of things I know about Sue Perkins. Uh, off the top of my head, Sue Perkins was on a Celebrity Big Brother series. Uh, she appeared on a Weakest Link episode. She appeared as a guest on Room 101 once. The 9NP Challenge was one. She had a vocabulary show called Nevermind the Full Stops. Uh, there was the, uh, she did a, sh- a food show after, I don't know if it was before or after the Great British Bake Off, but it was, it was basic. it was a food show about, like, food from different time periods. She hosted, uh, The Big Spell. She was the announcer for Don't Scare the Hair. She was the announcer for Can't Touch This. Uh, then there was What the Dickens, which was a literature show. Uh, um... What what else am I missing here? Uh, the the Iris and 99P challenge, I think, and uh, I I think yeah, she she's good at panel games. She has a, a voice for radio and a face for my dreams. Yes, she is very dreamy. So your so your dilemma is you you would try and oh, sep- oh uh, by the way, I just separate looked- her from Anna Richardson if it means you getting a date with her. I, I am I am in a a happy, lovingly committed relationship. Um, Would you do a wife swap? <laughs> you know, it, it's funny you say that because uh, these dilemmas obviously only exist in the realm of fantasy. So, yes, in the realm of fantasy, yes. absolutely. <laughs> so what did um, you bring back? <laughs> oh, I, I brought a, a whole box of snacks that I was distributing to different people. And then uh, some people I've forgotten or haven't run into. Uh, and there, there was a thing of wine gums at the bottom of that. Not from Roundtree. They're the Marks and Spencer brand because they were there when I was stocking up on candy uh there, my mom had a coupon my mom loves coupons uh and while we were talking about wine gums i was thinking oh i could eat those but now i've remembered who i got them for it was you who had sent the message to me before i left you can when, when i was them, asking what fine. snacks should i get well i'll tell you i should i shouldn't uh less for you than for my diabetes uh, hey hey then give it to your partner it's <laughs> if you can't give it to me give it to your partner she she did enjoy the the other bag of them that I gave her. Oh, um, that's good. Uh, <laughs> we love. I think it's 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 a lovely show. Clearly, you don't want to see it revived. Unfortunately, I don't think I don't think the show could really work in America because of panel game shows. I mean, like at midnight was kind of a panel game show, and that was like the closest big name game show in a while. But it, it's going to be tough. I like because a lot of these are just would you rather questions. And not so much the moral high ground type of dilemmas. Hmm. But, uh, eh, what are you going to do? Abby, you know what's a fun game show to do? Tell me. The game shows, I suppose, lightning round. Okay. I have five questions. You might see the icon on the podcast screen. It's me with questions. That's because this is a game show podcast with questions. You have 60 seconds and five questions for everyone you get right. You get one free plug. A total of five free plugs hang in the balance. Uh, okay. Do you want to play? Uh, w- 
what exactly do I have to lose by say, <laughs> saying uh, yes? I mean, maybe 60 seconds. That's about okay, it. Okay, you know, you know what? I have been thinking recently about how uh, my diabetes has consigned me to a much shorter life than most of my loved ones. So, uh, you know what? It's a drop in the bucket. Let's go. All right, here we go. Let's put 60 seconds on the clock. That I could spend with my children at the end of my life, but I'm barren. Well, you can plug your kids at the end of the 60 seconds, which is on the clock right now. No, oh. I can't. That's the whole point. Okay, go on. <laughs> 60 seconds. There you go. Got the sound effect. Does an yes. audience make Dilemma better or worse? I, you know, I, I, I know that uh, laugh tracks are sort of not the in thing anymore, but uh, I, I like them. I'm a fan of like live canned laughter, you know, is I think universally reviled, but I, I enjoy the connection you have with a live audience. What color was the set of Dilemma? Oh, red velvet. What is the best show about robots? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, meh. Would you count Summer Wars? Yes. No, of course not. It's not even a show. <laughs> Summer um, War. Society has invented a way to preserve only look, one- Look, I don't, I don't want to lie, Jordan, okay? Don't rush me. This is important. We have 60 seconds. Don't rush me. <laughs> the time is ticking. <laughs> okay, uh, Digimon has robots in it sometimes. Society has invented a way to preserve only one podcast for all eternity and send you out- You cut out. I think I should get bonus time. Society has invented a way to preserve only one podcast for all eternity and send out for other galaxies. What podcast would you choose? Aw, this one, Jordan. You would say that. Your podcast. Yeah, until you go to Struggle Session, you'll say theirs. All right. If you want to know what? Sue Perkins. You know what? In, in light of what they what what has come to light about uh, the lost co-host, the fact that they invited me onto an all-white episode, you know what? Worries me a little. <laughs> If you went on a date with Sue Perkins, where would you take her? Ooh, um, I guess I'd take her to, to meet my partner just to see how they both felt about it. Oh, that's nice. I, I, I mean, technically you did run out of time, but we will give you the five. <laughs> so my life's even, even more shorter than we thought it would be. You did it. You got your five plugs. You technically Thank won. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I, I mostly just want to say you should listen to my uh, audio sitcom, uh, Cyber Cafe. It's, uh, it's, it's classical with sort of a, a modernist bent. I, I've been describing it as uh, a Black Mirror in, or Cheers in the Black Mirror universe, which I, I'd say is, is pretty, pretty inarguably true. you want to go where everybody knows your dot wave. Bum, 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 bum. You know what? I the rhythm isn't as good. The rhythm the rhythm is not as good. Try harder. You want to be everyone knows dot way. You know, I, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. The second stanza of that uh, that song uh, grows wildly transphobic. Uh, to, to quote uh, the fourth season premiere of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, <laughs> I mean, shout outs to Brooklyn Nine Nine for being woke. It's a, it's a, it's a good gag. I don't know if you'd call it a gag. Even it's, I don't know. Um, Truth to power. Yeah. Yes. Yes. All those cops watching Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, yeah. Uh, follow me on Twitter. That's where I get all of my self-esteem. I'm Abby Denton there. 
I have a, a very rarely updated Facebook page under the same name, but uh, I'm thinking of deleting it just because of Facebook being. A, I don't a know what you're talking about. Thing. Facebook is a wonderful place filled with its own community. In fact, if you love this, you know sh- what? Facebook might be fine, but uh, does it have an icon of a bird? No. Advantage Twitter. No, it does not. I was trying to game shows podcast facebook.com slash game shows podcast <laughs> meet with other people who like game shows that still have a Facebook account. Oh dear. <laughs> Hashtag not my president. Hashtag resist. Hashtag ham for ham. I, I like ham. Uh, what, what do you prefer? A quiche and an omelet and a, and a sandwich. I, I keep meaning to teach myself how to make a quiche, but after three years, I think I have to accept that I'm just never going to set aside time to do it. Well, eggs are expensive. Eggs are expensive. Well, you got to break a few eggs. Oh, Jordan. What? I do the jokes that it, you know, crack I'll, you I'll up. I'll tell you what. No wonder Matthew J. has you muted. <laughs> I do the jokes that crack you up. Do all those funny yokes. I'm, I'm going to follow Matthew J.'s suit now. No. <laughs> No, <laughs> great. What? It's a good suit. It has a little, uh, a little Steven Universe star in the in the middle of it. Cause no, <laughs> that, that guy wore a Steven Universe shirt like the first three times I ever hung out with him. He seems like a very nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, no, 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 no. I, this is not to denigrate him at all. It's just the most on brand, uh, like fashion choice I can imagine. I, I was. I, was I guess. I guess. Sort to... of like walking around if, with spats and like a like a red crimson overcoat and a top hat and like a duck bill. Okay. See, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking it was going to be more like the the Donald Ducks, the Ducktales, because that that's more of his brand. Well, it's it's harder to walk around cosplaying as a duck because then, like, if, if you're dressed like a Disney duck, it just looks like you're wearing a, a giant diaper with like yellow chicken legs, and I don't know. That's sort of a, a confluence of fetishes that. I'll admit, do intersect for a lot of people, um, but don't necessarily uh, mesh well with um, the professional working environment. And the worst of all, your name's not even Bill. Oh, Jordan. Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. You have three more plugs. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the TV show Digimon had a recent season called Appmon that I thought looked silly but it was actually pretty good and if everyone watches it maybe they'll do another one maybe they'll do another one you should watch digimon tamers actually every if everyone buys the dvd in the world then maybe maybe bandai will be like oh it's more popular than we thought we'll get chiaki konaka out of uh retirement we'll make more digimon tamers i I still own a copy of digimon the movie and digimon the sound movie soundtrack (laughs) That's a great soundtrack. It is my favorite movie soundtrack. I keep so that's my last that. plug. Buy the soundtrack. You can get it for like ten bucks still, like brand new. Hey, fo- it's like nineteen ninety. First of all, first of all, it it preceded Shrek to have All Star in it. Yeah. Second of all, and Mystery Men, and Mystery Men, and Mystery Men, and there's One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies on that track, and there's that Hey Digimon song. Ah, uh, it's classic. What else do you need? Uh. Uh, the impression that I get by the Mighty Mighty Boston's like, c- come on. <laughs> They're a good band, Jordan. This is now going to be a Digimon podcast. <laughs> I- I've been trying to get someone to do a Digimon podcast with me for I'll years. do it with you. Get Matche online. We'll all go <laughs> do a Digimon podcast. Yeah. Oh, you know, there, there, there might be a duck Digimon at this point. There are thousands. So if you yeah, had let's find a, one. Let's sell them on a, that. Which Digicrest would you want? 
Ah, the crest of kindness. Uh, personally, I think you deserve the crest of friendship because it's always great talking to you and being a friend. Ah, I just googled Duck Digimon and the first result was an image of uh, the cast of the Mighty Ducks. And the second result was an image of the cast of Digimon Frontier, but everyone's head has been replaced with uh, the same picture of Donald Duck's head. Okay, not Howard the Duck. That's weird. <clears throat> Upsetting. All right, two more plugs. We already are on the Digimon. Oh, no, no, no. I've the, the, My three plugs were all the different Digimon. Oh, my gosh. So, someone made... Uh, um, there's a D- Disney fan fiction wiki of entry for a, a musical about Digimon that also features Donald Duck, the orangutan from the Jungle Book. It looks like the weasels from Roger Rabbit who've teamed up with like a weird lion monster dude who looks more animated than the others. Rafiki and Pluto. <laughs> and uh, it looks like a popple. And they're all on the poster together. Uh, Digimon with Donald Duck and Company is a musical based on Digimon Adventure and The Lion King on Musical. Makes sense. What? <laughs> I, look, I, it, there you go. There's your dilemma. There's your dilemma. Would you rather go to the Digimon world or have a best-selling comedy album? Digimon world a million times. W- would that mean that I could never get a comedy album? I mean, you have to get out of the Digimon world first. Because you know what? I Traveling into another world, fighting monsters, there's at least eight minutes in that. Yeah, wasn't that like the big twist at the end of the season was like, oh, you're back. It was only been like six minutes. Where were you guys? Yeah, you know what? You give me the light, I'm going to blow you up with my with my magic transforming buddy. Whatever happened to Joshua Seth anyway? <laughs> I'm going to look it up. And Mona Marshall, because Mona was Izzy. Aww. I love Mona Marshall. Uh, 2018, Tenchi Muyo. Dang. And she's still the voice of Sheila Broflowski on South Park. Huh. You know. Well, I'm glad she's getting work. Yes, Joshua Seth, on the other hand, uh, out, all out over the place. Looks like he looks like he's currently doing hypnosis. Huh? Yeah. Is it like sexy hypnosis or? No, like comedy hypnosis. Like I, when oh. I snap my finger, you're a duck. Oh my gosh! Now, now quack for me, chicken. Ha <laughs> ha! He was also in an episode of Busted, which I have to remember watching that episode because I vaguely remember a hypnosis guy. I didn't know that was Joshua Seth. <laughs> weird oh wait he was on I, digimon try so oh my gosh the, the digimon try dub is great like they got back like everyone one of my one regrets is going to the premiere of the first movie and uh the voice of mimi i forget her name was there and like doing doing hangouts after the movie but uh the friends i went with uh were jerks who just went to humor me and i didn't get to hug her I'm, I'm very sad i didn't get uh limited edition art they were oh my gosh this is i'm just turning into a huge nerd no keep going after, with this after let's, let's, let's so go cool through the digimon whole stuff here okay. on the game show podcast it's good Man, go while, we're, while we're talking about digimon um yeah so in in the the movie uh you know a defining moment of the 90s it's, it's like pre digimon the movie post digimon the movie pre 9-11 post 9-11 those are the three eras yeah, like the the, the internecine period between 1999 and 2001, like everything was was gold, you know. Are are you turning into Bugmane all of a sudden? <laughs> you know, I'm still not a hundred percent sure what that is. Uh, and well, I'm, I'm bu- happy not knowing. Um, bug, Bugmane has similar uh, things involving a simulation, but. Huh. Um, what was it? Oh, okay. So uh, the Digimon movie dub like opens with. Uh, a very brazen sort of Pokemon shtick where they they do the digi rap, 
Um, it's the digi cool with digi rules, uh, digi ability, a digi cool, saving the world from a digi disaster. Y- yes, I do have that song on on my phone's MP3 collection. Um, <laughs> but then in in the dub of Digimon Try, because I I'd seen the original subtitled version uh, months beforehand in bootleg form because I am a, a dirty pirate. Um, Thank you, Kazaa. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I downloaded Enter Sandman by Iron Maiden, and it turned out to be Digimon. That's not Iron Maiden. I love um, Weird Al Yankovic's Digimon the movie. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's no Digi-Rap in the the actual first Digimon Tri movie, but in the dub of the Tri movie, they, there is, a, like it's like the new Digi-Rap, and it's like the corniest thing ever. And watching that like live, not live, but like in a theater with a bunch of other people, and all of them just like lost their minds <laughs> laughing when that started. And we realized like, oh, it's made by people who get that it's not like a serious thing. Um, unfortunately, that was only the dubbers. The people who actually made Digimon try thought it was a very serious thing. And uh, the movies are all the worse for it. I remember. But it's okay. There are brief moments of fun. See, I remember the DigiRap because I went to the Fox Kids website where they were promoting the Digimon the movie. And because at the time it was Flash cartoons and they only had like 10 seconds, all you heard was, all right, ready to go? I'm ready. Ready, let's go. And just loop that over and over again oh, to the backbeat. No. <laughs> that's, that's kind of wonderful. Are you ready? I'm ready. I, you know, I, I, remember, I remember they always just to uh, ask our parents for permission before going online. Yeah, and then this was the... I never did. And then when you did. get into it, then it's Digimon's making the scene. They're kicking up, kicking up to the big screen. Oh, yeah, and kicking it up. Check, kick it up to the big screen. And then put that on loop. Put that on loop for like, it's almost like a YTMND before YTMND. Okay, so here's here's my game show pitch is uh, I become fabulously wealthy and I will make this show, which is just um, your your icon on on uh, Discord was like flashing different colors and now it's not doing that yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's because I have Why Discord Nitro. If you buy Discord Nitro, you get uh, GIF images as your icon. Oh, I, I couldn't tell if that was because I was meant to click it, but then you realized that I wasn't going to do it and you turned something off. I don't know. Um, okay, I, I get on just like random people and I'll give them like $200 if they can successfully like describe an episode of Digimon or something. And whatever they end up describing, I also like hire an entire production company to just make the <laughs> show that these people like kind of reconstruct from vague memories of like their kids watching the show or whatever. Okay. Like old people describing an episode of a of a, on a like a toy commercial. I I would enjoy. I would that watch this show because it reminds me of Drunk History mixed with the fun of Digimon. Oh yeah, I guess it is kind of cheating that way. But they're not drunk. These are just people like. So then there was like a cowboy hat guy wearing a badge, and he was wearing like he has like a star mon or something, <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, have some welcome milk," and he just gave all of the people a big. Like beer stein full of milk. They didn't explain where the milk came from, if there's cows or anything in the Digimon world, but apparently it was refreshing milk. And now everyone is trying to look up to see if I was telling the truth or not. That that sheriff Digimon who's like his body is just a, a gun. Yeah, it's like is a, one of, one of my favorite monster designs. Yeah, and, and then they, they dubbed him with like a really bad Texan accent. It's. I was just impressed that they left a, a gun like visible in a cartoon for children in those days. It wasn't a four kids show. You know, so it it was it was pre nine eleven. It was a different time. It was fun. <laughs> it, it was. It was. It was. I I actually uh, I was rereading. Uh, well, reading for the first time the Yu Gi Oh manga a while ago because I had a lot of a uh, lot of time waiting for planes. Um, 
and there's a dragon in that that's like made out of revolvers like multiple revolvers its arms and its wings it's it's a very silly thing i i'm starting to think you're you know creating three different podcasts you and each one of these i would love to be a guest on or be a part of because let's learn Yu-Gi-Oh. yeah you know you know what there's a lot to learn Yugi i think it's, it's very it's it's very fascinating to read the manga because it's like clearly a guy who loves like making up weird games who then as it went on sort of realized more and more that his his income was a lot better if he just sold this one card game that konami wanted him to advertise with this comic <laughs> but like he's still like trying to fit stuff in like they're playing cards and he's like oh th- this is a card that turns everything into a labyrinth and now they're in a maze but like they 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 sort of tied him down more and more to like following the rules of the actual game that they were selling and it, <laughs> it it's kind of a an interesting story it's a sad story like it's an actively depressing thing to watch happen because like as far as i know this is like that guy doesn't do anything anymore because it was like probably very dispiriting this is all you know me psychoanalyzing someone i know nothing about it's um, also a good way of psychoanalyzing but, a children's card game thing yeah yeah, I, I don't think it's it's an unreasonable assumption that I'm making. And and that's eventually going to end up being a talking point. Well, not on this one, because there was never like a Yu-Gi-Oh! game show as far as I could recall. But <clears throat> I do know there was a Ben 10 challenge. You want to go into cartoons turning into game shows? Oh, no. Oh, yeah, there, there's, there's a few of those. I, it's, it's, not, it's not pleasant. See, the good thing is you don't have to cover them, but I do eventually. But oh, ultimately, no. what we can conclude with is Dilemma is a nice, fun show. Uh, if you can acquire it, go for it. Have a laughable, fun time admiring Sue Perkins or maybe watch anything else with Sue Perkins in it. And maybe dig it. And maybe check out the American Sue Perkins, Abby Denton, when she tours in your neighborhood. You honor me. It's, it's, it looks like I knew we we're about to finish the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. So thanks for stopping by, Abby. It's it's been an honor and a privilege. Let's wave to the keep, camera. Keep, keep like, your heads up. Yeah. What what are you doing with your big podcast money? Uh, I'm going to floor. Thanks again to Abby Denton for stopping by. Eventually, we'll get that panel game with Abby and Ben, and it'll be a lot of fun, and we'll have lots of laughs, and it'll be great. You hear me? It's going to be great. I swear. Anyway, uh, before we get to the end of this, uh, there's some stuff I, I need to just uh, bring up here. Uh, it was recorded in Edinburgh in, in 2012. The theme song of the show was What Do I Do Now by Sleeper. Uh, the creator of the show was comedian Daniel Ward. And other shows that Sue Perkins has done include 99P Challenge, What the Dickens, The Supersizers, Don't Scare the Hair, The Great British Bake Off, which you might have heard of, the Generation Game, The Big Spell, Can't Touch This, Insert Name Here, The Panel Show, and most recently, Thrones Cast and its spinoff, Thrones Cast colon Game Show of Thrones. I had a lot of fun trying to figure out uh, which is the best and which is the lesser two evils with Abby. And now it's time to do our 110-part series exploring every pricing game on The Price is Right. This is the Pricing Game Spotlight.
Hurdles. Premiere date, February 19th, 1976. Tape number 1A, 1-4-D. Price game location center stage. Finale date, March 31st, 1983. That means play the losing horns. Hurdles was a retired grocery product pricing game with a track and field setup. The centerpiece of Hurdles was a large game board featuring a hurdler on a racetrack. The contestant was shown a grocery item and its price, which were displayed next to the hurdler. As such, the price was called the hurdler's price and denoted the price over which the contestant should jump. The contestant was shown three pairs of grocery items at the base of the board, one at a time. Each pair represented a hurdle and consisted of one item that was priced below the hurdler's price and one that was priced above it. The contestant was asked to pick the item of each pair that was below the hurdler's price, which would allow them to clear all three hurdles. Flags were placed to mark the three selected items. After all three pairs were played, a starting pistol was fired into the air, which started a hurdler across the game board to the playing of the Lone Ranger theme. which was later used as the timer cue for race game in the 1985 syndicated Tom Kennedy version. At each pair of grocery items, the hurdle representing the chosen item would rise to the path of the hurdler. If the correct item was chosen, it would stop below his path and reveal the price. If the wrong item was chosen, it would block him, causing the hurdler to crash and the game to end in a loss. If the hurdler cleared all three hurdles, the contestant won the prize. Simplified Girl of Hurdles was to pick the less expensive of the three pairs of grocery items. In this way, the game had the opposite goal to other retired games, Trader Bob, Giver, Keep, and Finish Line. However, the later two games did allow a contestant the possibility of winning even by getting one selection wrong depending on the prices used. When a game was lost, a crashing sound was heard, also used in the cliffhangers prior to 1986. In addition, the screen would shake and the word crash or oops... Similar to interjected balloons used in 1986 or 1968, Batman was displayed. Contestants were occasionally allowed to fire the pistol themselves, but a few held it too close to their face, startling them when it went off. Not to mention that they had a tendency to blow out their ears when doing so. One fellow, William Little from Bradford, Tennessee, born circa 1958, pointed it towards the barrel and then pointed it towards Bob on a show, aired on October 19th, 1982, 4632D. Trivia. In order for this game to be played, three grocery items have to be less than the target price and three grocery items that are more than the target price. The most number of times this game was played in any season was 49. Retirement. While played frequently throughout its time in prices rights rotation, hurdles was prone to mechanical failure. Often, the hurdle components were not in sync with the runner, and they sometimes failed to work at all. These constant breakdowns led to the game's retirement. In 1998, 15 years after its demise, a contestant told then-host Bob Barker that he wanted to play Hurdles. 
Bob told him that hurdles got taken off Price's right 15 years ago. A clip of a winning contestant in this game was shown in the February 2nd, 2018 episode. Contestant Mary Hines Hyde's sister Moraine, who was on that episode on November 15th, 1977, 40 years before the episode was taped, where she played Hurdles and won. Nighttime appearances. Hurdles was one of five pricing games introduced in the fifth and final nighttime season hosted by Dennis James on episode number 160N. The other four being Cliffhangers, Dice Game, Danger Price, and Three Strikes. So I rewatched Hurdles recently because every one of these pricing games I do rewatch and I come up with ideas. And I think the problem was the mechanic. And I think in today's technology, this show could easily work again. But here's what I would do differently. I'd keep the track and field motif because I really like the fact it's a sport. But what I would change about it is instead of between the two pairs, I'd make it out of maybe five or four, like shorten it up, and all of them are at the same time. And of the five or of the four, three of them or four of them are less than the actual retail price, the hurdle. So, And it's always going to be a solid like $5 or $6 or $7 price. So there's a clear hurdle to go over. And the idea is supposed to be that you pick the product you believe is most. So that way, when you pick the one that's most, it's eliminated from play, and then you continue the race along the, the line. And you give it somewhat of like a grid. So you see that like lane one is zero to one dollar, lane two is one to two, et cetera, et cetera. So when it's in the five range, you can see as it rises where exactly it fits on the board. And the idea is supposed to be that it could be any one of these. And then you come up with some sort of more dramatic, almost uh, chariots of fire kind of soundtrack going as it approaches the end. And then you can give away like a $6,000, $7,000 trip because it's supposed to be very quick grocery item mixed with a pricing item. And it's supposed to be of like the four or five, which one is most, which is over. Everything else is less than that, so you don't have to pick between pairs. It's just pick the one that's the most. So it makes the game go faster, yet still keeps a mechanic going of the set of the hurdler trying to jump over the hurdles and the suspense of when it gets revealed. That's what I liked about hurdles, but man, did that game break a lot. But I do think there is a need for one of those suspenseful games to have a quick reveal added to it. So I think hurdles could definitely be revived, and I could see it being revived if they truncated a bit. They can even play it on, on the uh, turntable instead of on center stage. Next time on the Pricing Game Spotlight, it's the Yodely Guy game, also known as Cliffhangers. So as we are winding down this episode of Game Shows, I suppose, I figure I might as well end on a positive note here. Uh, most recently, a brand new season of Taskmaster debuted on Dave. Now, it's a UK game show, and according to my statistics, a lot of you are from the United States, but let me tell you, 
There's Taskmaster and Comedy Central that kind of flopped because they truncated half hour. They didn't really do a prize task. That it was kind of more personal possessions than it was comedy and trying to show off the 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 lateral thinking of the contestants. So they brought back Taskmaster on Dave with five new contestants. Lou Saunders, Ian Sterling, Sean Gibson, Paul Sinna, and Joe Thomas. And it is a lot of fun because Paul Sinna is a comedian, but he's also one of the chasers on the UK version of The Chase. So it's very funny seeing some guy who's notorious for being smart at trivia just screwing up on basic creative tasks, which I think is the big appeal of Taskmaster. It's the ingenuity, it's the creativity, and it's the comedy aspect of the show that didn't really translate in the American version. And speaking of Taskmaster, because I really love this show, I think it's one of the better British panel game shows, and it's one that I can say is a very simplistic format that works and is fun. I found out through the Taskmaster website that there is going to be a board game in the works. There's already a book out, and the book is very fun. I've been reading some of the tasks on there, and there's going to be a board game in the works, so I can't wait to see if that game translates well into a home game format, which I can't wait to see how that uh, that works. Uh, so, so folks, feel free to watch the new Taskmaster. It's a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully, we'll review Taskmaster soon. Don't know who to review it with, though. Uh, but the reason I wanted to end with Taskmaster, because it's one of my favorite UK game shows, is also because I think this is the big translation we can take from all of this. From the news segment to dilemma to right now is the closing words of one little Alex Horn, which should be the life advice, the big takeaway to this episode. Quite simply, make good choices. That's going to do it for us this week. See you next week for a brand new game show. Big smooch. Mwah. What do I do now? Are we going?